friends, welcome to The Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walked by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. You can find my podcast on iTunes at Faithful Podcast by Stephanie Baker or on my website, faithfulpodcast.podbean.com. If you like the podcast, please leave me a review on my iTunes channel. Reviews help other people find the podcast so it can be a blessing to them. Also, you definitely want to check out my husband, Phil Baker's podcast, Reclaiming the Faith, where he explores what the earliest Christians believed and how they would deal with the core issues that we face today. It has been such a blessing to me and to so many others. Please check it out. Also, you should check out his new CD, The Shadows EP. You can get it from philsbaker.com or on iTunes. My guest for this episode is the fabulous Lisa Robinson. Lisa is a wife and a mother of four children. She is such a kind encourager, and I'm so blessed to call her my friend. Lisa shares about walking through the uncertainties of life, including two adoptions, along with financial hardships. She is so much fun to talk to, and I know you'll love our conversation. Hey, Lisa. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here today, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say because I know you are one of the most encouraging people I've ever met. So um, uh, just to kind of get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, my name is Lisa Robinson, and um, I've been married to my husband, Aaron Robinson, for going on 23 years. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy to think that it's been that long. Um, Anyway, we have four children together. Um, My two oldest ones are biological, and then my two younger ones are adopted. And uh, my oldest, Kaylee, is 21, and then we have a daughter, Brooke, who's 19, and then Logan, who's 9, and then Lily, who's 7. All right. So you, and yeah, just that's a, pretty crazy. Yeah. That's a nice age gap in there. Right. <laughs> I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I've just been a stay-at-home mom pretty much my whole married life. And I just I love being a stay-at-home mom. I love being a mom and every stage of being a mom and a wife and all that fun stuff. So yeah. That's awesome. And Lisa, you're a friend from church. We've we've known each other for a couple of years now and we're part of the same small group. It's been it's been great getting to know her. So um, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to know Jesus? Yes. Um, okay. So whenever I was a child, I was not brought up in church, and um, but I always felt a connection to God. I always felt a drawing to Him. Um, and when I married Aaron, um, as I said, he wasn't a Christian either. And we um, had babies really soon. We met some friends that also weren't Christians, and I loved them. They were great people. We had fun with them. We had babies together, um, hung out every weekend with them, um, just, you know, had fun. We had food, drank usually, just, you know, kind of had a fun time in that way. Um, and one particular night, Kaylee was probably about six months old, maybe a little bit older. She wasn't crawl- she wasn't walking yet. She was crawling, and we were having um, pretty much it was a party, and we were all going to spend the night there, and we were drinking and um, just having a really good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, Kaylee came crawling in. This is kind of like a movie, and it was very surreal and very 
very um, sobering, literally. But she came crawling in, and I'll never forget, I looked at her eyes, and Jesus literally spoke to me through her eyes. And he said, Lisa, what are you doing? Just And it, it wasn't audible, I'm sure, but it was so real, it felt audible. And I instantly sobered up. And I even asked myself, I was just like, wow, what am I doing? You know, and and the rest of the night, I, I just felt very strange. I felt weird. I didn't know what had happened. And the next morning, I went to my kitchen table, not knowing how to approach God or anything, but I just said, God, I know that that was you speaking to me. And I love my life. I love my friends. I love what we do on the weekends, but help me to love you more. And um, that following week, and I didn't really understand what I was praying. I mean, basically, I was asking Jesus into my heart, but not really even knowing that's what I was doing. Um, A friend of mine um, from high school called me, and she said, Hey, my brother's turning 21, and we're going to, you know, do this fun thing. We're going to rent a bus, take him to places that, you know, are fun for non-Christian teenager people (laughs) or young adults. And um and I said, yeah, sure, you know, but the whole week I just felt very reluctant. Like I, I, I was almost feeling like I was having a premonition that something bad maybe was going to happen. I didn't understand what was going on, but I went. And to make a long story short, I just felt very disconnected and I was confused at first. And I remember sitting in back of the bus and I was just watching them from different eyes. I just saw them differently. I saw what they were doing differently. And it wasn't until the the ride back home that God said, Lisa, I answered your prayer. And he immediately, it's just like all those desires that I thought I had that I wanted, you know, to do, they were all gone. And some people's faith journey takes years. My husband's, he'll tell you, his took a long time. Mm -hmm. But it was almost like literally like overnight, I was a completely different creation and yeah, it was it was weird. It was it was very fast, and I, and like I said, I didn't even really understand that that's what was going on until yeah. God spoke that to me, and my friends changed. But I knew in that instant that God had entered my life, and my friends needed to be different. My TV shows that I, I everything, mm-hmm. music, everything, and it was kind of a three sixty in one day, <laughs> kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned kind of being drawn to God. Can you kind of explain that? Because if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. I I have a hard time understanding what that is. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Well, I remember um, when I was a little girl, there were a pastor family that lived down the street from me, and um, they took me to church anytime I wanted to go. And I, I didn't go, I wouldn't even say a lot, but I just always loved going with them. And mm-hmm. I always felt like that was a safe place for me. Yeah. And um, I just knew as a girl that that's where I wanted to be. Mm. And even like um, getting into high school, they had this um, youth type high school thing um, through the high school. It was called Student Venture. And no one made me join it. I didn't even, you know, I didn't have parents that made me do it, but I just, Mm. I was drawn to do it. And I always joined things like that. Again, not consistently, but I just always wanted to be a part of church and God. But I just didn't know quite, I didn't have anybody really in my life that was a Christian. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of had to figure it out on my own. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I think it really emphasizes um, the importance of like, you know, you and I are both parents and we have this influence over even our children's friends that, you know, just bringing them around, letting them be in the presence of Christians, Mm -hmm. letting them come to 
um, bringing them to church with you and inviting them, even if it's just here and there and you never see the fruit of that, like that that family may never know. Right. I think of them often. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, You also mentioned like your friends basically had to change overnight mm-hmm. and like I'm sure with Aaron not being a Christian it was that was really difficult can you share a little bit about that yeah um again they were great people right, I mean they yeah. were very wonderful they loved us um but I just knew that they weren't going to encourage my faith mm-hmm. um and and Aaron grew up in church he wasn't a Christian when we you know when all, when all this was going on but he was always very supportive of it. And I told him, you know, I just felt like like I needed to be around people that were going to encourage that. And, and he was always very supportive of that. Right. You know, he loved church. He, he knew it was the right place to be as well. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't any kickback there. Um, just later into our marriage, um, he was working at a, at a place that was very high, you know, strong. And where his faith came in is... Um, he's making a lot of money, working a lot of hours, but living a life completely not of God. Mm. And one day I, I literally asked God, God, you know, we just had this house built and all these, you know, two great cars. And, but I said, Lord, I would rather live in a tent than to be with an unsaved man. And I said, just take everything away. And literally within weeks, everything was taken from us. We lost our home. Aaron lost his job. It was, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, and that was kind of his start of his faith journey was just to, just to be completely, I'll say, naked before the Lord. You know, the Lord took all of that away. And we Mm. just kind of had to start from ground zero up. But it was, I, I knew it was what I had to do you know, to ask for, to get to that place of, you know, because his heart was always, he's always loved God, right. you know. So I, I just wanted to kind of follow down that path a little bit with, um, you know, you talked a little bit about how God took all this stuff away. And I know that that was many years ago. Mm-hmm. And then um, fast forward when I met you, the first, one of the first things I ever heard about you was you and Aaron sharing the testimony at our church about um, walking through unemployment with Aaron mm-hmm. and um, the struggle that that was, and but how you saw God's faithfulness mm-hmm. in that. And um, I just think it was really encouraging to me mm-hmm. and to so many others. And do you mind sharing just a, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit about that yeah. or however much you feel comfortable sharing with yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so the first time that we lost everything, that was a different a different type of story. Um, mm-hmm. The first time we literally lost not everything, and we had each other, of course. That was mm-hmm. the most important thing. But we had to live with my mom. That was a very humbling place that Aaron needed to be mm-hmm. in his um, journey with accepting Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Yeah. Um, but then years later, um, that time he, he lost his—well, he didn't— it, it's a long story. He um, went into business partnership with a friend, mm-hmm. and basically a lot of lies happened that weren't true, and mm-hmm. anyway, he couldn't go any further with this okay. business. So it was kind of a mutual thing, but um, he was given a very small, you know, I'll pay you for three weeks and find a job, you know, kind of a right. thing. And and um, Aaron had never in his life, anyone who knows Aaron, my husband, he's he has lots of connections and he's very good with people. Yeah. So any interview he's ever been on, he's usually gotten the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, yeah, no problem. I'm going to, you know, we're going to find a job. It's going to be better. I'm going to, you know, get back to what I love doing. And 
Um, but that was during the really bad financial crisis a few mm-hmm. years ago, and um, he didn't get a job. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, interview after interview, and they all seemed promising. But that time, um, we didn't lose anything. That mm-hmm. this was more of God. The first time was God bringing us to a humble place mm. of recognizing His sovereignty. But this time, I how I like to word it is that was more of just God showing His favor mm. and love for us because we I stay home. You know, mm-hmm. I offer nothing to our family as far as income is concerned. Um, and we had literally no income coming in for eight months, wow. and we lost nothing. We lost. We didn't lose our. We had favor with, favor with our mortgage company, with you know, our cars. We had a lot of very generous um, friends and family that helped us along. And I mean, each day literally was just a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I, I joke, but it's true. Um, Aaron, I'll never forget him telling me that. He wants to make sure that we're faithful with our tithes during that time. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what tithe? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, no, every gift that we get, I want that to go back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm more, I'm the one that pays the bills. So I'm the more, you know, and I'm thinking, but those are like gifts, right? You know, we don't need to tithe gifts, you know. And Aaron said, no, we're going to tithe. Wow. And sometimes our tithe months, were more not having a job. Than wow. I mean, that's how crazy generous people were. Mm. And so, like I said, that time was more of God. There's just been different seasons of God showing Himself. And the first time was sovereignty, but this time was just favor and love, mm. you know? Yeah, so. that's that's so cool. I think that's such an encouragement to people because, um, I mean, stay-at-home mom, that's such a tough job. It's so endless and it the hard part about it I think or the hardest part is that you don't walk away with a, a paycheck it's no. like you no. can't be like well put in a few more hours I'm good right it's it's never ending and at the same time though when somebody loses a job it's not half your income or you know a quarter it's of your income or however it works it. yeah. it's 100 mm-hmm. percent but um what do you think helped you to stay faithful I mean I I'm the one who does our finances and like I've been there's been those like nail biting moments where you're like okay how is this gonna play out what's this gonna look like Mm -hmm. um I mean well just um we've had so many big events in our life adoptions and you mm -hmm. know our first adoption especially was very 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 difficult and just the miracles that I saw in that. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you know, Aaron losing his job the first time and how God always provided a way for us. And the more you step out in faith, in I call them faith journeys with mm-hmm. God and adventures, I think each time, you know, we're always going to have things that come up against us till right. the day we die. But the more we step out and trust, and, you know, it's our privilege to prove God faithful. Mm. And so, and I feel like we've done that, not any, you know, boasting of myself. God's just kind of forced me into these places um, of showing how awesome he is. But the more you do it, the more you see how he is bigger than the a paycheck. He, and, and it helped me to understand that, you know, my God is bigger than the government. My God is bigger than Aaron's paycheck. You know, my God is bigger than anything. God is my source. Mm. And so I, I think I was able to go through that the way we did because I saw the other things that God's done in our life. Yeah. 
you know, that were miraculous. I mean, miracles, literally miracles. And so once you see it, it's like, well, God's got that. He's not going to not have this too. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. I think for me, that's one of the biggest things is to kind of remind myself of times where I've seen the faithfulness before and Mm -hmm. like, God, I know you're not going (laughs) to, I know you're not going to forget me. I know it in my head, even though every part of my body, my heart, my, (laughs) you know, it's all doubting. I want to believe again, Mm -hmm. um, help me, you know, help my unbelief, that kind of prayer. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's really powerful that I know a lot of people that are walking through similar issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really hard to trust when you don't have that money because we say money isn't our security, but it kind of is, yeah. you know, like yeah. it, I, I, I'm really good at being faithful when, um, when I know that there's money in the bank account, like for right. some reason that affects my, my mood more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how we figure out what our idols are yeah. is yeah. what, when I'm missing this thing, what changes the most? Right. Yeah. What changes Security's me the most? Security is my, my, uh, that can easily creep into being an idol. And not to say that I never, ever worried because that would be a complete lie. I mean, there was times where I would freak out, but I would always just have to even out loud self-talk, you know, just mm-hmm. God is not going to let me down. He didn't then. And he's not, you know, I have to self-talk through, right. you know, so it wasn't always that I just, oh yeah, no paycheck, no, no problem. No paycheck, no worries. <laughs> um, we've talked before about adoption. Um, and I think your story is pretty powerful. Can you tell us a little bit about how you first started to consider adoption? Yes. Um, okay. So as I said, I had my two older daughters and at the time my, um, younger of the two older daughters, (laughs) your first, my first. Yeah. Um, anyway, when she turned about eight, I, out of nowhere, um, started having just a longing for a baby Mm. and I never, I kind of dismissed it for a long time, just thinking, you know, oh, I just miss my babies being babies. I love being a mom. That's all it is, you know. Um, and so I just dismissed it. And it took about a year for me to get serious about praying about it because I just didn't quite, you know, understand what it was, where it was coming from. Mm. And so finally, I, I, it just started, it just kept growing and growing. And Aaron had always wanted another one to try mm-hmm. for a boy, you know, <laughs> um, but nothing serious, you mm-hmm. know. And, and um, anyway, so I just prayed about it. And I just said, Lord, you know, if this is a selfish desire that I have, please take it away. We probably don't need another child. Um, however, if this is something that you, a desire that you've put into my heart, then I just basically put it out there, then just bless us with the baby. Mm. And it was a simple prayer. It, it didn't take a lot of time. And two weeks later, in comes, you know, at the church that we were going to at the time, my friend, she was a church secretary at the church, and she came walking with the baby. And <laughs> lo and behold, I had no idea, you know, that, yeah. that that's... Not a normal occurrence. No, <laughs> no. And so, I, you know, I just went up to her, you know, who's this baby? And like I said, she was the church secretary, and um, these people, they didn't go to the church, but they went to the church pantry, so they mm-hmm. knew her, and and um, she um, had cocaine in her system, and the father was... The mom did? The mom had cocaine? Yes. Okay. Um, and then the father was at the hospital, passed out drunk, mm-hmm. and so, of course, CPS you know, had to get involved, and they always try to find a voluntary 
you know, family member that will take the baby for the 28 days for them to take the, the drug class and, you know, mm-hmm. and they didn't have any friends or family. And so they said, call the church. And so Nancy, my friend, mm-hmm. um, amazingly, she just said, well, I'll take the baby, you know, I'll help this wow. family out. And then that's how I got in the picture. I said, well, you know, I don't work. So, and I have this weird baby blues thing going on. So mm-hmm. let me have the baby during the day. And then you take them nights and weekends and we're going to help this family out. And it's going to be this beautiful story of redemption. And, and you'll have 28 days to help and this family I get had, their paid on, you know, get, get back on their feet and right. you'll take care of this longing. But yeah, it was a whole different story. Yeah. But that's not how it worked out. No. Um, so um, I guess moving on with that, did, can you tell me a little bit about some of the obstacles you started to encounter once that initial period? Yeah. Um, okay. So to make a long story short, the first seven months, um, 28 days turned into seven months. Mm. And during that time, um, I was still very naive to the real deal of what's going on. I, I, I hoped that I could see the best in them. And, mm-hmm. um, but Anyway, I knew that he was going to go back, and so at that time, I didn't know a lot of the details of their life. I just knew that they, you know, needed help, and they were getting it, and then they were going to be okay. Yeah. And we were going to keep being a part of their life and helping them and um, discipling them, whatever it took, you know. And um, anyway, and so when he went back the first time, Logan, my son, um, I knew it was going to happen, but the obstacles, the real obstacle came when we got a phone call from the birth father and it was new year's eve and they were drunk and fighting and high whatever and he asked us to come get the baby and we did and that's when my eyes were really open to the real deal of what's going on and they had gotten in a really bad fight knives were involved um not with the baby but with each other Mm. it was awful and i saw where they lived and just the hopeless that they weren't they weren't getting off of drugs. They weren't going, you know. Right. And um, it was then and there that I knew that the baby couldn't be there. And mm-hmm. it was then and there that I knew we had to do something. And so the obstacle came when we had to basically fight a government that tries with all of its might to get baby back to birth mom, which yeah. in theory is yeah. always the best way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when two people are clearly not choosing to get their life together, um, that's when it became, I felt almost like I was an enemy really to the government, you Mm -hmm. know, and it took a while for that part to, you know, to go away to where I was on, we were on the same side, (laughs) but before I mean, before it got to that point, it was really tough just basically to convince them that that these people shouldn't even own an animal, much less a baby, was right. really hard. And like I said, we had to give him back twice. Mm. And it was, it was, that was the hardest faith journey that I've ever had to, to go through. Just a helpless baby that needed us. Yeah. <laughs> and to, to watch him just go and just have to trust that God is going to take care of him. But my eyes didn't see it. You know, yeah. my ears didn't hear it. My heart didn't feel it. So that was that was hard. I, I'm sure most people have not experienced what you went through when um, Logan was taken away the first or the second time. Can you kind of like help us to understand what what was going through your mind in those moments? I mean, I know you said you were trying to trust God, but like, what was the reality of it? Well, um, yeah. The, so the second time he went back, um, I'll never forget that night. It was awful. 
I, 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 well, the two weeks that we had had them the second time, um, and I, like I said, my eyes were open to what was really going on and the seriousness of, you know, the, the, the abuse, um, I fasted and I prayed and I really, truly, with all of my heart, reading the Bible and knowing who God is, I really believed that Logan was not going to go back Mm -hmm. because here's a willing family that wants to raise him, asking nothing for the government, just wanting to raise this baby to know Jesus. I knew that God was going to let that happen somehow, some way. Um, And then after two weeks, when I got the phone call from CPS saying that they were on their way to pick him up, I was literally, I was dumbfounded because I did everything that the Bible told me to do. The mm-hmm. Bible says, you know, you pray, and when you believe that something's God's will, you can move a mountain. Mm-hmm. And I believed that that mountain was going to move. I fasted. I was on my face. I was doing everything the Bible said to do, and it didn't work. And he left. Mm-hmm. And so really, you know, a lot of people, when they say they're angry at God, it wasn't, I mean, yes, I was angry, but more than that, I felt so betrayed mm-hmm. because at that time, I believed that the God that I believed in just came to a screeching halt right then and there because this helpless baby was going back into a horrible situation that at the time I believed God had full control to stop, mm-hmm. and He didn't. You know, but little did I know, I mean, there was, a friend of mine um, put it really wonderfully to me because the next day after he left, a lot of my friends were calling me, you know, and, oh, God's ways are higher. And But when you hear those things at the time, it almost just makes you more angry. Yeah. You know, and but a friend said something that was completely God's word speaking to me. I, I told her, I said, you know, Laura, even in that last hour when they were on their way to pick up Logan... I still believe that God was going to stop it somehow with mm-hmm. all my heart, and He didn't. And I said that last hour, I still thought, I, I, still, I still trusted God. Mm-hmm. And my friend Laura said, but aren't you so thankful that your last hour is not the same as God's last hour? And that was the one thing that my heart could grab a hold of. And I just put my faith claws into that, and I knew, I knew somehow, some way that God was not finished with this yet. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was, those were the words that really helped me to, to, to navigate through that pain. Yeah. I knew God was going to take care of him somehow. I didn't know how, and yeah. maybe I wasn't supposed to know how, mm-hmm. but I knew he was. Yeah. So. Well, that's, that's really good. That's one of the things I always kind of like ask my guests, what's some of the good advice and the bad advice you received in the, in the dark times and the hard times. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, sometimes hearing like it's God's will is, we all, we all know that God, God's ways are higher than our ways Mm -hmm. and that God has different plans for things and he's going to redeem them in different ways. But in that moment that feels like it feels like so painful. Like, yeah. why did you have to say that? Yeah. Like, um, and I think that that advice that your friend gave is so good. It was like, God. <laughs> yeah. Because it's true. Like, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the story. And mm-hmm. um, and who knows the reason why God had Logan go back for that that period of time. Mm-hmm. But I know that one of the good things that's come from that is that your faith is even mm-hmm. stronger than it was before, yeah. that um, that you can look back. It's another one of those like mm-hmm. m- moments, those like memorial stones that you can look back at and remember God's faithfulness. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. So um, 
we kind of skip to the end of the story, but um, leading into the adoption, what was what was your family's reaction to that? Like that you were thinking about adopting or that you were even taking this child in? Because yeah. you kind of bypassed that step where most yeah. people like start adoption classes right. and yeah. they're considering it, they're weighing their options. You sort of just jump we right did. through that. People will say, well, what, you know, what agency did you go through? I'm like, I really, I just prayed for a baby. I <laughs> yeah, can't. Right. But um, I was real nervous to tell Aaron, my husband, about it because I, I just, this isn't going to go over well. He's not going to be okay with this, you know. But he was, I mean, it was just such a God thing. I mean, it was just, everything was just opened. Our hearts, and of course, Kaylee and Brooke were in heaven. They didn't really know what they were getting themselves into. <laughs> but um, but our immediate, our nucleus family was very excited, and um, it was clear that God was opening that up. But um, our friends and our family, even very strong Christian people that we know, um, they were very reluctant about it and for, you know, understandable purposes. But most of them, you know, just told us just that I don't think I would do this. You know, this this could get really messy and, you know, and 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 it did. But that's what ministry is. Right. You know, it's it's messy. Mm-hmm. And, and when when you know God's behind it and how I prayed that prayer and it just this baby came into our life, I knew it was the journey that we had to take. Yeah. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew. And when you have that assurance, it gives you that confidence that you need to, to bypass what good, loving people are telling you mm-hmm. and do it anyway. And so. Yeah. When yeah. we when we were adopting, I mean, ours was a much longer process and people in our family and friends knew much longer. But yeah, we had a lot of like well-intentioned Christian mm-hmm. people who were like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> these kids, you don't know what they've been exposed to and whatever. And I honestly, I had this thought while you were talking that like sometimes maybe that, that like naivete, yes. <laughs> like maybe that's a gift from God. Because if we really weighed the cost mm-hmm. of everything that we do, we wouldn't do it. We probably wouldn't do it. Right. You know, maybe that's like a protective thing from God so that we will get into these scary situations. Because, I mean, your your kids are, um, your older girls, they are fantastic kids. But I'm sure if got, somebody had told you along the way, like, you're going to have this struggle and mm-hmm. you're going to have this struggle, like, you probably wouldn't have done it. But yeah. I guess more people have experience with their own biological children and walking through difficult patches, and that doesn't seem as scary as what might lie ahead with adoption. Yeah. So that unfamiliar territory and that protection that sometimes God's giving us. Yeah, me, for sure. So you had a difficult situation with Logan's birth parents. What helped you to feel compassion toward them? Well, um, I, I have a lot of spiritual weaknesses that I struggle with daily, but something that I do feel like is a strength of mine is I, I forgive easily. Yeah. I, I can I try to look not just at the the behavior but the why behind the behavior. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me when I think about the things that she did, sure there was times a lot of times where I felt angry, like how could a person, you know, do this? But it makes me more sad for her than angry, mm-hmm. you know, really um, to, to, to feel, to know that someone chose something so temporary over something so eternal and so amazing. Yeah. It, it more, it just makes me sad for her more than ever angry. Yeah. So. So just 
yeah. leads me just to keep praying for her. And I do every day. I mean, I pray for her every day. And, you know, I, I don't have a lot of contact with her, but I see her on Facebook and everything, and she's still the same, mm-hmm. you know. But so just, just having sadness for her. Yeah. Well, we, you know, I, I'm thankful that you do keep praying for her because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not God's last no. last, uh, right. last part of the story either for her. Right, and right. so praying that God does something really great for her as well. Right. Um, so what surprised you the most or has been the biggest unexpected blessing about adoption? Well, um, even before I knew we were going to adopt or that we were even thinking of adopting, I had always wondered if you could truly love an adopted child the way you would your biological child. Mm. And because I have both sets, I can truly testify that you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think about Logan and Lily, and sometimes I think, oh, yeah, they're adopted. You know, yeah. because the love is so natural and organic that it feels weird to say that they're adopted. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's been that's been a, a probably my biggest um Surprise. Surprise, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't know if that was possible because you love your, you know, your babies so much that I think, oh, can you really? Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Praise God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does your life today look different than you thought it would when you decided to adopt? Much more crazy <laughs> and, and loud and my house is kind of crazy and loud. But, um, well, as I said earlier, I've... I've always been, I knew as a little girl that I was supposed to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. You know, I love being a mom. I love every part of being a mom. And I think if I had had Kaylee and Brooke, I don't think, I know. Um, they're both adults now. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if I, my soul would have been finished. You know, I think I would have yeah. been more sad about not being a, I mean, I'm still, a, I would still be a mom, but raising children stage mm-hmm. mom, you know. Whereas when Logan and Lily are adults, I'll be like, I'm done. You know, yeah. I'll have a peace with it. But I don't think I would have had that peace now. Yeah. You know, I would still feel like I'm supposed to still be raising children. Yeah. You know, so just that, just having that empty nest would be sad for me, I think. Mm-hmm. So. That's great that God's given you something to fill that nest yeah. with. I mean, the, your girls are fantastic, and you, you're so thankful for the way oh, that they yeah. love to follow the Lord. But yeah. I think if you're not finished, then there's that like yeah. yearning within us that, yeah. you know, God, I feel like you've got more for me. I feel like this isn't the end. Right. So that's cool. Um, so we kind of talked about this before, but is there anything other than um, maybe looking back at previous times when God was faithful, anything, any other things that help you to stay um, faithful in the midst of difficult times, um, in the midst of um, that really rough patch or that yeah. Incredibly hard season. Yeah. Um, I think just always asking myself, or, or I, one thing I know about myself is I tend to, to have a false sense of responsibility. And I don't know if that's a woman thing or a personality thing, mm-hmm. but just to, to, when I'm going through something that's out of my control, to, to, to kind of draw that line that I've done my part and the rest is completely up to God. And I can't, I can't, I can't be responsible for only something God is responsible for. And that always helps me to be able to put some of the burden down just to what's the next step? What's the next right thing to do? And that's all I can do. The rest is up to God and kind of takes that burden off of me. Yeah, that's really good because God doesn't tell us the whole 
the whole road ahead. Mm-mm. Just shows us maybe that next little step. Right. And so when we think too far ahead, we yeah. we overthink things sometimes, or mm-hmm. we miss out on really cool stuff that God wants to do because we worry about. Okay, if this happens, then this is going to happen. Right, and that's going to happen. And generally, we're not right about how those right. things are going to work out. So we've stressed about something that's like a that's boot me. Point. That's me. Um, can you tell us about some self discovery that's been helpful to you in your life? Um, yeah, like uh, kind of. I just touched on it. I, I I realized that I try to 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 take things on too much and to fix things and. And just, you know, even giving God some advice on how I think, you know, like, like, you know what, God, if you really did it this way, that would be so awesome, you know, and just to step back and again, uh, taking that control off of, you know, I'm not really, ultimately, my children don't belong to me. I'm just here just to, you know, or my husband or or the situation or finances. And um, so just trying to, to really draw that line of, of, you know, who am I in all of this and what is my part? And mm-hmm. just trying to figure out, like I said, what's what's my responsibility, what's my role, and what's God's role? And just to trust His place in this way yeah. more than mine. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give the average um, Christian regarding adoption? Um, I liked what you said, and I was that's kind of what was rolling through my mind. I think we try to be too ready for things. Well, let me get some debt paid off or let me, you know, get my house or we need a bigger house or we were in absolutely, especially financially, no place to take in another child, Mm. you know, and, and had I thought about that, you know, room, we don't have any room. Where are we going to put, you know, we had to make our dining room into a, you know, there's a million obstacles that I could have overthought. Right. And it's just kind of like really any big decision that you make, you're never really going to be ready. Mm -hmm. And if you feel God's calling you to do something, just do it. And it may not be actual adoption, but at least it could be if you feel like adoption or whatever it is, is Mm -hmm. on your heart, just taking that next step. Just take a little baby step. Talk to someone who's adopted. Yeah. Or, you know, reach out to an agency. What, what, you know, just what's my first step in this? I'm not sure this is what, you know, I want to do. And the great thing about God is... When you're trying to please him, that pleases him, right? You know, and yeah. so he's not gonna curse you for trying to do something that even if it's not something he wants you to do, he'll stop you. You know, right. he'll close the door, but just taking that first step because you're never gonna be ready, right? You know, yeah, no, I mean, it's never gonna be the right time. When when we got married, we decided we were gonna wait several years before having kids or adopting, and I told my husband, before we even got started dating, like, I really want to adopt. So if you're not down for that, then this is probably not a good fit. Mm. And the thought for a long time was adopting one child and um, having one biological child. Mm. And like, then they're just, I mean, like the whole plan changed once we started our Mm. adoption classes. And like, if I had known from the beginning that adoption or that we were going to be adopting siblings that might have been a lot scarier to me yeah but um god kind of had us easing along this road and like we we started a little at a time and we talked a lot to folks who had adopted or who um some people who were adopted themselves and just kind of it takes it makes it a little less scary when you know someone who's done that or you're able to talk to them even i mean i think things like online communities are so Mm -hmm. great because you may live somewhere where nobody has adopted or nobody has um, 
you don't know anyone who is right. adopted and you can kind of connect and share what you're going through or ask questions. And um, I'm part of a couple of adoption Facebook groups and it's really neat because some people will be like, we just went to our first informational meeting and yeah. you're like, you were at the baby stage <laughs> and like, uh, let me, let me try to yeah. give you a little bit of advice that I've gleaned along the way. And it's cool to see there's people that have been foster parents for 30 years mm. or, you know, doing all kinds of really challenging things that are a little further down the road. Mm-hmm. And so talking and taking that next step and mm-hmm. seeing, okay, this isn't so bad. Right. I mean, kind of wading into the waters a little yeah. bit. I mean, you you guys kind of jumped right in with your, with your first go around, but it, yeah. if you have the option to, and you're feeling something put on your heart, mm-hmm. then kind of starting to take those steps. I think that's really good. Yeah. Um, what, what's something that you would want to say to maybe, um, churches or people that want to support, um, those that are adopting, what's maybe some, something they could do that's helpful or supportive of you, of those in the adoption community? Well, um, I remember whenever, um, I was in church one time and there was an advocate there. She was speaking to people about her organization and adoption and everything. And she said something that really stuck struck a chord in my heart. Um, she said, you know, we as churches and Christians, you know, oh, you know, no abortion, you know, pro-life, pro-life, mm-hmm. which is a great, you know, thing to stand for. But then she said, but okay, so where are these babies going to go? Yeah. You know, and it really opened my eyes to the fact that, that it is really the church. It's supposed to be the church's job to care for widows and orphans. Jesus talked about that many, many times. And, and I I think for churches just to really step up, and again, not every person is called to adopt, but even just adopting a family who's fostering or mm-hmm. adopting. And just, I rem- remember we weren't ready for a baby in any way, yeah. but just some formula, diapers, just every once in a while, you know, the, just the small things are huge things to people who are undertaking, you know, a new family member into their home. Mm -hmm. So it's just sometimes I think we think mission work has to be some big event of going to Africa and feeding a, a, you know, a a village Mm -hmm. when, you know, mission work is just right around the corner. Do you know of anyone? Mm -hmm. You know, the church is us. You know, we're the kingdom of God. And, And, you know, if you have a neighbor that's, you know, fostering, you know, offer to babysit their children while they go on a date, you know, or you have to get certified to do that. Well, that's true. That's (laughs) true. But that's a really great thing because it's hard to find babysitters, especially if you're in, if you've already adopted, then usually that's not an issue at all. Mm -hmm. But to get those certified babysitters, it's not that much work for them to do that, but it means so much to families. Like, um, just to be able to know, like, I can, if there's an emergency even, mm-hmm. like, even if you're not going to be right. able to watch their kids so they can have a date night, but like to have somebody that if there's, if I have to go run to do this thing really fast, right. can you watch my kids and mm-hmm. know that we're still like compliant with what CPS asks of us. Right. So, you know, I think it's a really huge thing and it communicates a whole lot. Mm-hmm. It communicates I'm here for you and not just... Um, I'm a bystander, like telling yeah. you good things. I'm showing you right. the love of Christ. Did you have people do that for you at your church, or like, um, or the giving that you were talking about? Yeah, we did. We had a lot of people that um, stepped up and helped us, and That's I awesome. mean, kind of the whole church, you know, knew who Logan was, and mm-hmm. and he, he like whenever he goes back to visit with Nancy, which is the lady that took him in originally. 
um, you know, he'll say, Mom, I'm a superstar at that church. Everyone who knows who, you know, everyone knows. Who. I'm like, yes, everyone knows who you are. But yeah, everyone just kind of took him in. And, and because he was a voluntary bassist, mm-hmm. we weren't foster. Yeah. Um, it, we didn't have those legalities. But, oh, you know, okay. yeah, I mean, but just it's just small things, mm-hmm. you know, just offering to where I can run an errand. You know, I'll watch him for a couple of hours. Or like I said, a yeah. pack of diapers. I mean, that goes a long way to a... A mom that just, you know, is raising a baby. Yeah, and didn't have <laughs> and like didn't, nine months to prepare exactly, for this. Exactly, didn't have a baby shower. Right, didn't have a baby shower. That's, I think that's another great thing. Like I, we had a shower before our kids moved oh, in and people awesome. were really generous toward us and it helped out so much. I mean, like little things like toys, like mm-hmm. you don't. Furniture. Yeah, there was, there were so many people that just showed us mm-hmm. so much um, kindness in that time. Yeah. Um, what is, this is kind of changing gears, but um, what's something you're not good at? Like, what's something that maybe is a weakness? You're really good at a lot of things, oh. but. Oh, I would say, and I think my family would easily say, too, is relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm horrible at relaxing. <laughs> I think about, like, a like a nice, you know, bathtub with bubbles and a candle mm-hmm. and reading a book. And it looks so amazing to me. And I've tried my hardest to enjoy it, yeah. but I just can't. I, I've tried. <laughs> and I, I, anyway, relaxing to me is, you know, going out and working in my yard or going for a walk or whatever. But yeah, relaxing. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times Aaron says, just sit down. You're making me nervous. <laughs> do you so. Do you vacation well or do you have to you know what? If I'm not in my home, I can relax better. Oh, that's but okay. but still not not so so well. But yeah, yeah I think it's just my home. I, I just too much going too on and too to many do. things calling my name. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay. I can. I have no problem uh. relaxing. <laughs> I am the opposite on that. No. Um, and you have you said how you've always wanted to be a stay at home mom, and I think that's fantastic. And I think you are phenomenal at that job um just the way that your kids love you and the way that your husband respects what you do Mm -hmm. I think that it it is such a good fit for you however if you were to have some other kind of job what is something that's maybe intrigued you I've always loved psychology okay and like I said earlier in one of your questions um I'm I love the why behind what people do, mm-hmm. you know, and I've always been very intrigued by that. And I think um, Christian counseling would be so rewarding, you yeah. know, just helping people through relationships and um, just struggles that they have. Yeah. I've, I've always been very sensitive to that type of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think psychology counseling yeah. type thing. Yeah, You get to do some of that as a parent. Right. right? <laughs> some serious counseling when, uh, hmm. when boys aren't kind to, to mm-hmm. girls or oh, things yeah. like that or friend problems right. or any number of things that teenagers and younger go through. Right. Um, so when, when you die... What is something you feel like you want to be remembered for? Um, I always tell my older daughters, both of them um, have, well, really all my kids do, but I just see it in them because they're older, but they both have a real sweet, sensitive heart towards the underdog. Mm. Um, I remember there was this young boy that was just very eccentric, I'll Mm -hmm. say. Um, He lives in our neighborhood, and um, uh, Brooke would always sit with him on the bus. Mm. And, you know, he was even kind of even 
I don't know. I think I think some kids might even be kind of weirded out by him, you know. Mm-hmm. But Brooke was just always nice to him, and and Kaylee, same thing. She always has such a. She's got a heart for people. Anyone could call any one of my kids at two o'clock in the morning with something, you know, traumatic, or, and they would always be there. Yeah. And and um, I, I always tell them there's going to be a lot of conversations um, early or later on in people's lives. And they're going to say, you know, there was this one girl who sat with me on the bus when no one else would. Mm. Or there was this one girl that I could call at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, with with thoughts. I'm having suicidal thoughts. Or, you know, I'm pregnant. What do I do? And and I, I, I kind of think that about myself. Like, I hope that I can be in a conversation with other people that there was this one woman, you know, who stopped and prayed with me at Walmart or whatever. You know, there mm-hmm. was this one woman who who never gave up on me or who never stopped checking in on me. You know, those type of things. Just, just loving people where they are yeah. is what I hope I can be remembered for. Not being judgy or, you know, <laughs> as Christians can sometimes be. Yeah. Um, just loving people where they are. Yeah. Well, so. I think you do that phenomenally. No. I think you and your whole family, your husband, your kids, everybody has been so kind and so loving toward my family and I I know that it's not just it's our family easy. yeah it's That's not just easy. our family we hear it all the time from folks that we know just how much you and your family are loving and uh, welcoming to folks so I, I don't think there's going to be any problem being remembered for no, that. Thank I think you. that's I'm honored. Yeah, and that's a and that's a testimony to God working in you because mm-hmm, if you had never taken the time to pray the way that you did early on, um, mm-hmm. and you would have never seen that moment with um, your daughter in her eyes, feeling like mm-hmm. communication, feeling that message being um, impressed on your heart that um, that that God was drawing you in, then, mm. you know, who, mm. what would your, have li- your life have looked like? Oh, I think about that all the time, and I just, uh, I'm yeah. so thankful. Uh, yeah, it would be yeah. completely different, completely different. Well, you wouldn't have Logan, no. right? Mm-mm. Because you wouldn't have been in a church. I, no. And I then probably, probably wouldn't married, have, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. God, but God, you know. But God, yeah. exactly. <laughs> God is Thank so you, faithful. Jesus. Yes. Um, well, thank you so much for mm-hmm. coming and chatting. And it was I, my pleasure. I had fun. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. I I enjoy it too. I I'm glad I got to hear more of your story, and um, I hope that it's a blessing to all these other folks that are listening. So Absolutely. thank you. Thank you. Isn't Lisa great? I just love her. I appreciate her vulnerability and her tenacity and her faithfulness in the midst of seemingly hopeless situations. Praise God that He is still at work. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to check out my page, faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or find me on iTunes at Faithful Podcast by Stephanie Baker. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And I'd absolutely love it if you left a review. Have a blessed week, friends, and remember to stay faithful.